Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the 6am Run Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Paisant. As always, glad to have you a part of the show. Glad you're listening. Hope you're sharing. I hope you have gone over to the 6am Run Podcast app and downloaded that for your smartphone. And as always, as you know, this show is brought to you by 6am Run and 6amrun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get... 20% off of your first order. So I'm speaking a little more slowly than I have. I've listened to all the shows that I do, and I really talk fast sometimes or talk quickly. So I'm trying to slow it down so people understand. I just get so excited, especially about the guests that we get. We have Marissa Moon, that is M-O-O-N, as a guest this week. If you're looking her up online, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But I'll let her introduce herself. Marissa, thank you. Marisa, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go introduce yourself for our audience? Yeah. What's up, everybody? I am Marisa, and I'm a board-certified health and wellness coach. I've been an intermittent fasting coach since 2018, lucky enough to rank number one on Google since then, because back then, nobody was an intermittent fasting coach. So lucky me. After all these years, I've fine-tuned a method that helps anybody easily, comfortably, and uh, sustainably adopt an intermittent fasting lifestyle that's completely tailored to them. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that today. I'm happy to say I'm a new, newly published author, and this is great timing for me, Mark. Thank you so much. My book just came out on Amazon. It's called Not So Fast, A Smarter, More Gradual Approach to Intermittent Fasting Benefits That Last. That is awesome. And she, by the way, she is not kidding. Um, before the show, I just Googled top fasting coach. I didn't put in her name. I didn't put in the name of the book. I didn't put, I just put top fasting coaches in a Google. Her website came up first. So that is marisamoon.com. You will be a, have a link to that in the show notes. So that's awesome. First of all, congratulations on that. Congratulations on the book. Um, what was it like writing the book for you? I wish I could just go back to that part of the process because now it's like all marketing stuff and that's not my jam. So, um, you know, everybody thinks that's the scariest part. You know, the hardest part was actually formatting the book for print. Uh, What a monstrous undertaking that was. I enjoyed putting it together because it was like long overdue organization of all of the things I've taught and, and, you know, gathered and created over the years. And I've just been dying to put it in a more organized place. And it turned into this cohesive guide that I could never provide when my one-on-one coaching or group coaching programs so thoroughly. So now it's all together in one place. Well, as the audience knows, I am like enamored with authors. Like I think that is the coolest thing. 
of anything you could like have as a title, like doctor, lawyer, whatever, I think author is just so cool. And um, so congratulations on that. We'll definitely get into that a little later. So um, I want to ask you this, because I think a lot of people don't really understand fasting. They don't understand intermittent fasting. They um, kind of just think, hey, I'm going to starve myself for a couple hours or a couple days. And and uh, then I'm just going to go back to uh, eating, you know, what I ate before and doing what I did before. But as a person who's done a couple of them, I think the longest I've done is like, you know, 49, 50 hours, because after four, after 48, I was like, why am I not hungry yet? Let me just keep going. Um, and I, I know the benefits of it. And but no one listens to the show to listen to me. But I first just going to ask you, like, what do people get wrong about fa- or what do they think? What are some misconceptions? What do they get wrong about fasting? Oh, boy. I wrote a whole book about that. Exactly. (laughs) Because, you know, first of all, I just like to say back when I did start calling myself an intermittent fasting coach, that was because all of the business, you know, advice I'd get as a new health coach was you need to niche down and, and, you know, work on your specialty so that you can reach people with a more clear message. And I was like, how am I going to just be an intermittent fasting coach? Like, that's not all I do. That's not all I can help people with. Um, and I thought I'll just do it for now, but it turned out it was, you know, I've been doing it for six years because there is so much nuance and so many complexities that us modern day humans bring to the conversation about intermittent fasting. And so first I would say, um, one of the biggest mistakes that people make accidentally, like when they don't know much about intermittent fasting, they just might hear about it from me and they'll say, I think I've already been doing that. I've pretty much already been doing that. All I have is my coffee in the morning, but they don't realize that their creamer or their choice of sweetener or their collagen in their coffee or whatever is breaking their fast or their gummy vitamins. That's something I see a lot too. Um, Or that they're just having gummy vitamins right before bed or, you know, something like that. That's actually interrupting the fast because anything with glucose or protein, I mean, carbs or protein in it is going to technically break your fast. And I'm most concerned about glucose a lot of the times or carbs, because that is where a lot of people need fasting is like they need a break from elevating their blood glucose and giving an insulin response in their body, just like pausing on that. And so beginners often don't realize that it needs to be slightly more strict, but I'm actually not on the strict end of the spectrum. Like I'm all about finding exceptions. And so you know, I'm, there's two chapters dedicated to coffee in my book, because there's so many little hacks you can do to, you know, make your coffee really enjoyable without just having to be black, or, you know, you don't have to just do a water fast or a black coffee fast, like there's lots of ways that you can hack it. And I think that's important. So that's kind of beginner stuff. And then probably the next worst thing that everybody does is grazing through the entire eating windows. So they're like, I'm on a diet, I'm fasting. And so when they finally break their fast, their subconscious mind is just like, I don't really want to eat. I don't really need to eat. I'm not that hungry. And so I'm just going to snack. I'm going to have this protein bar or I'm going to have this, you know, pita chips and, and hummus and I'm good. I don't need anything else. And then it's just snacking and grazing through the entire window because they don't want to bother with having to prepare a meal or figure out what to actually eat. Um, so snacking just becomes a habit immediately. And then they're undernourished and, you know, again, falling under 
the relentless grips of their appetite, which fasting would usually solve that problem if you do it right. If you do it right. Yep. It's, it's one of those things where you have to, I mean, you really have to go, this is one of those things you have to go through it once, you know, cause I, I remember the first time I did it, it was just like, all right. Like I didn't realize like there was certain times I would feel really good. And then other times like I am so hungry right now. And you don't really take into account the mental part of it, which I believe is the biggest part of it. I believe is the biggest part of it. And, uh, you know, how do you kind of explain to people when they do that first one, like it's going to be some, some demons. It's going to be the angel and demon right here. It's like, you know what? Do you really want to fast right now? You don't have to fast. And the other one's like, come on, you can do this. Like, how do you kind of explain to people that mental side of it? Or is that something they just have to learn on their own? I want to say this in the most agreeable way possible. (laughs) That's not the type of fasting I teach. So um, I teach how to train your body for fasting. Nobody just suffers through a longer fast because you want to see what you're made of. Um, A lot of other methods or experts make it seem like that's what you're supposed to do. Um, And and there is some reasoning behind those other methods that are different from mine. Um, For instance, they're trying to force your body into a state of ketosis without requiring you to train your body into ketosis with you know, with nutrition, they're just saying you can fast your way into ketosis, which you can do, but it's more miserable. You know, that's when you have to use your willpower to get through the fast. That's when you might get headaches or you might get nauseated or you might have low energy. I always say you're fasting the right amount for your current circumstances if you feel amazing during your fast. So if you don't feel amazing during your fast or feel better during your fast, then you're not fasting for the right length for your current circumstances at this time. And so, yes, there is a huge mindset piece in it, but I think that I think that it just depends on if you're training yourself for that fast and working your way towards it, just like you would train to run 10 miles. You don't just jump in to do 10 miles and say, suffer through it, keep going, suffer through it. I mean, what is this, like some kind of, you know, prisoner camp? Like, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, the way that I teach it is like you would teach somebody to run or to train for a marathon. You know, you start with one mile, and if one mile is really hard and you barely made the mile, then you just keep doing a mile until it gets easier. And then you start going a mile and a half or two miles until that gets easier. And then you incrementally increase the amount of time that you're trying to do that stressor. They both are stressors, exercise and fasting. They're called hormetic stressors. They stimulate hormesis. And there is a threshold for our body's hormesis, um, you know, ability to adapt beneficially to us. So hormetic stressors are a perfect amount of stress applied to your cells, to your body that causes a beneficial series of adaptations that helps the body get faster, stronger, more resilient, um, you know, all these things that we want and we desire. But if you push it past that, oftentimes it can result in maladaptations. So that might look like having headaches during your fast, or that might look like feeling exhausted during your fast, or that might actually look like you can't sleep the day after your fast or during your fast. You have insomnia. That might look like you binge when your eating window opens. 
Um, so there's lots of ways that it can backfire on you. And that's kind of why I ended up calling the book Not So Fast is because I've coached hundreds of people that I needed to pull back from their expectations or from their current, you know, strategy and say, maybe we need to take a step back. And I think that probably helps a lot of people because um, I I could tell you, you know, from when I started my fitness journey, you know, years ago, it was, I was just prepared for like the agony and the pain and like suffering. It's like, this is going to be hard and I'm just going to put my body through it. And it is what it is. Like you did this to yourself. Now you got to get out of it. And um, I think this is a great time for you kind of just to explain your philosophy, like why, why is that maybe the incorrect, incorrect way to look at it? And how do you help people kind of get into this inner mass, inner, intermittent fasting space without basically punishing themselves? There's always going to be like two types of people. I mean, if you think that's the only way to do it, I can't tell you how many clients that I still coach or that I have coached who I just, you know, I'm along for the ride. I'm like, okay, I can't tell you what to do. I can give you advice and you can take it or leave it. And I'm still going to be in your corner, whatever method or approach you decide to take. And so there's always going to be somebody who thinks like it's not enough if it's not hard enough. Um, So that's how you learn. If you're going to keep doing that that way, we're going to talk about it each time. Like, what happened? How did you feel? How did you feel when you broke the fast? Is this something you want to do again? What would you do differently next time? And most of the time, these people are going to end up saying, like, this isn't working for me in the long run. Like, for instance, in the fasting community, there's a wildly popular method called delay, don't deny. And it's, like, literally the opposite of what I teach. I do not recommend it, but... Um, I, the only reason I don't recommend it is because it's like, you don't have to care about your diet whatsoever, eat whatever the hell you want, as long as you fast longer. So it's delay eating so that you can eat whatever junk literally you want, you know, whether that's McDonald's drive through ice cream, Sunday donuts, doesn't matter because you're fasting your way out of that. Um, but the problem is all of these neurological and biological presets that are just in our DNA are going to alarm you throughout that entire fast, like eat now, find food now, you know, this is exhausting. This makes you feel horrible. And so every day is this tug and pull, this yo-yo, this roller coaster that you're on, depending entirely on willpower, because you're working against the messaging and the inputs that you're putting in when you're eating like crap. So, you know, my system requires you to gradually reduce your carbs while you're working on eating more nutritious foods because both of those things makes intermittent fasting so much easier to undertake. And so you start with 12 hours. You know, the whole thing is an acronym reset. It's my reset method that inspired the book. So reset, each letter stands for a phase. R is reduce carbs. E is eat nourishing foods. S is start with 12 hours. The next E is extend your fast and the T is thoughtfully adapt. And so, you know, reduce carbs, eat nourishing foods and start with 12 hours is kind of like the first phase you do all at the same time. Because if you're used to just eating carbs all the time and having that be the basis of your meal, it's going to take some time for you to figure out how a meal would look without those and to shop differently and to, 
you know, change the way that you stock your, your pantry. Um, and there's a lot of mindset work there because we have attachments to certain foods and we have, um, you know, inner narratives that tell us we're being deprived without certain foods, but really it's just conditioning that we have suffered through as a food culture that our carbohydrates are the basis of our, you know, diet and happiness. But really once you get accustomed to gradual reduction and are patient with yourself, you realize how much freer you are and how much better your relationship with food is without those being the centerpiece of your diet. And so meanwhile, you have to learn what nutritious foods are going to satisfy you. What do you like? How, how are you going to eat more healthfully? So there's obviously a lot of lifestyle and habit change stuff that's going on there while you're just fasting 12 hours. I mean, 12 hours, let's remember is the amount that they ask you to fast when you have to go get blood work done or you have to get surgery or something is because that does make a difference and does give your body a break. And you are going to be depleting stored glycogen. So depleting those stored carbohydrates during the 12 hours, you're not going to be completely depleted of them. You're not necessarily going to go into ketosis, but it's a start. And that's how you can sort of assess, you know, it's a little reality check. How, metabolically flexible am I? Am I suffering after 12 or 13 hours already? Do I feel uncomfortable after 12 or 13 hours? Is that just mindset or am I physically uncomfortable? And so taking your time here has major payoffs if we're talking about something that you want to figure out how to make a lifestyle that you enjoy and willingly want to stick with. And that's what it's all about because quite frankly, we're not designed to eat around the clock all hours of, of the waking day. And since a lot of people don't even sleep eight hours a night, a lot of people are sleeping less than that. I mean, we have even more waking hours that we're eating in and we're eating all the way up until we go to bed and we're eating or consuming, you know, certain nutrients first thing in the morning. It's just kind of like uh, abusive to the system because the body has other things to do besides digest all of those nutrients you keep putting in it. And it, requires a break from that. We're designed to experience a break from that. And that's when a lot of beneficial adaptations do occur. Yeah. And I, I totally understand what you're saying. It, it, you know, we live in a society that, that for most of us, food is just so accessible and, and, um, you get used to it and, and you think you're hungry when you're thirsty, when you eat more water, we, everybody, like everybody knows this stuff. Like mm-hmm. most of us know this stuff, but, we're, mm-hmm. but we just kind of talk ourselves out of it. But, you know, I would love your, your take. Cause I know there's, there's people out there that are listening that have decided that they want to start their fitness journey or get back into where they were before. We have a lot of parents who, um, may have, you know, lost their way and they're looking to get back. And, and I see a lot of people who, don't really set themselves up for success because they, you know, like for instance, they'll say, okay, this day I'm going to start my fitness journey and I'm going to, I'm going to hit the gym and I'm going to you know, do something different with my diet and I'm going to this and that, and, and I'm going to start fasting. And it's like, would you say that it, it, it happened? It's, it's like the new year's resolution. It's like the resolution. It's like, I'm going to do all these I'm, things. I'm shaking my head because it's like, so in yes. my book, this exact so thing. When, when someone, when You're someone right. does start a fitness journey, like is inner, in your opinion, like is intermittent fasting, one of the f- first things they should jump into, or they should get their routine in place and their nutrition in place and then start a, a fasting journey. You are a wise man. 
you absolutely should not stack all of these things at the same time. Even though you want to be in a bikini by December, even though you want, like, it does not matter what the reason is. Your future self is going to be so mad at you for doing that because it doesn't even matter if you achieve the outcome you desire. After you achieve that outcome, it is extremely likely that you are going to drop some or most of those habits that you have built. And your body, your metabolism is going to respond in a way that you do not desire, which is it's going to make you gain weight back even though you're still eating healthy. Um, if you change an exercise routine and a diet and you know start incorporating all these new things to try and hurry up and lose weight, that's only a good idea if it's all these things you want to keep doing. Like just start with the thing that you really want to make a part of your life forever. You know, you may not, it may not work out that way, but that would be a good place to start. Like if I want to always make, you know, a, a daily run part of my life forever. Like I, I know I used to run in high school and it made me feel really good. And my family, you know, likes to run too, and it gets me outside. So you're like, I'd really like for this to be a part of my lifestyle. And I also want to lose weight or get in shape or something. So great. Start with running because this is something that you really want to make a part of your life. And, and the key is if it is always a part of your life, you want to start a practice that is maintainable for you. So don't be like, I'm all in with this running thing. I'm going to run seven days a week and I'm going to, you know, like, try to run a marathon or whatever. If you're not going to always be a marathon runner, just be aware that putting your body up to that challenge can have long-term consequences that you will always be battling. And same thing with fasting. You know, you want to fast your way into a different pad size. Just know that if you see that diet as temporary, you're going to gain some of that weight back because you're no longer supplying or restricting food in the same manner. So that's the key. You need to really think about what is going to be potentially part of your life in, in some way or another for the rest of your life. Yeah. I think more people need to understand that because, um, you know, me being in the, the fitness and coaching space and you being, uh, in the same, like the last thing we want is one for people not to succeed and two for, for people to, you know, not be able to sustain what they have done. Um, I, I tell people all the time now, since I heard this probably six months ago, like one of the, the, the biggest, you know, priorities of, of fitness coaches is to have people leave the program. Like we, I mean, you don't want to be a coach forever. Like they don't want to tell, like we want, like that's, and once somebody said that to me, I was like, that makes so much sense. Like, why did I never think of that before? Um, so I, I think all of that makes sense in, in having people be set up for success. So when you do deal with people, there's got to be differences in, you know, ages and genders, especially genders, like working with men and women, um, how we store fat, how we use energy, what the energy is used for. Um, are there really big differences between intermittent fasting or coaching between men and women? Huge, huge differences. So, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, biology isn't isn't fair when it comes to our gender. Um, when we were when we're thinking about the difference between men and women, we have to remember 
that women's fertility is a lot more fragile. And so if you are in your, your reproductive years as a woman, your body still has one priority and that is for you to be fertile and to reproduce. So even if you don't want kids, um, that's your body's priority. And so the thing is anything that threatens like in, from your cells point of view and your DNA's point of view, anything that threatens your ability to grow a healthy child is going to be an alarm to your system. And so dietary restriction or overexercising or whatever that is going to be pretty aggressive is going to be perceived as a threat if you're not thoughtfully adapting, which is, you know, where that T comes from in my reset method. Um, so we have to be <clears throat> thoughtful uh, during a woman's menstrual cycle, particularly the phase before a woman gets her period. It's called the luteal phase. And that's when our estrogen and progesterone are dropping really low and we can experience PMS, premenstrual symptoms, um, symptoms that are like making you seem like an emotional head case or you're depressed and you hate everything. And um, you might be really hungry and craving lots of different things. And, you know, it's just tough because the way of our modern life really works against what's ideal for our hormonal balance. And so women are just trying to hustle their, you know, get through the day, take care of all their business and do the things that they need to do. But that luteal phase really requires us to, to, to take a step back and protect our time, you know, sort of like be selfish with that time and cancel obligations that can be canceled. Um, you know, ask your family for personal time without, you know, needing to be interrupted or without needing to explain yourself. Um, it's really hard for women to do that, but this would also be a time that you reduce your fast significantly and increase your nutrition intake significantly because it's just going to make your PMS symptoms a, a lot less um, exacerbated than if you ignored all this advice. Um, but women who are post-menopause have a really easy time doing it. They, their body responds more similarly to men, to men. So I would say like healthy men in general, like have it the easiest, even if you're not metabolically healthy, I would still say um, like for instance, if you have type two diabetes or you're obese or heart disease, I would still say that your body is going to respond more favorably to the stress of fasting. Um, even if you, you know, tried doing 16 hours right off the bat, instead of following my method, if you don't have a lot of like, you know, mindset stuff uh, hung up on your relationship with food, it might come very easy to you and just be no problem. Um, especially depending on your age. Some of the biggest reasons that it doesn't work for men and women alike is they're just simply not eating enough protein. And so if you're not eating enough protein, and that's really hard to do on a plant-based protein diet, I'm talking about complete proteins, animal source proteins and, and protein powders. Um, we need complete proteins because they supply a certain ratio of amino acids that uh, like provide the building blocks that we need for every single tissue and every single message and every single instruction inside your body. And so it's like hands down the most absolutely essential nutrient. And for most people, it's just missing, which makes fasting harder or makes it so you want to snack between meals or makes it so you're not sure why you're hungry, but you're still hungry. It's because you're not eating enough protein. If you're tired in the afternoon, like really fatigued and you don't know why you're like, I'm getting pretty good sleep, but I'm still really tired in the afternoon. You're not eating enough protein. I mean, if you're getting injured or you're not healing enough from infections, cold and blues, getting frequent cold and blues, you're not getting enough complete amino acids and protein. And most people are simply not sleeping enough. That's a problem with men and women alike. There's an entire part of my book dedicated to sleep because you can't fast your way out of bad sleep. Everything 
in your biology is going to be telling you to eat and it's going to be telling your body to store fat because it sees that as a number one threat to your survival, not getting adequate sleep. And I think that's what, you're absolutely correct. And I, I know you're correct because I've, I've literally been <laughs> through that and, and understood uh, for a person who is in every, 6'5 and 235, I, I'm not even going to say the amount of protein I was getting. I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm cool. Why am I not gaining any muscle? Why am I losing muscle? Ah, it's because I'm getting a quarter of the protein I should be getting. So I, I tell people all the time, like, go to a nutritionist, like go online, like put in the calculator of how much of each macro and micro you should be getting. And, and then for a week, just count it. Like, I'm not telling you to count it forever, but just get average and just know where it's always good to know where you are. Um, but in regard, cause you keep bringing back to nutrition and how people can help themselves. If, if in a normal day, and I'm just using numbers here. We're just use 2000 because that's the calorie everybody hears nowadays where it's varies for everyone. Like that's just out there. But say for instance, my, I, I eat 2000 calories a day. And if I start an intermittent fasting program with you or with anyone else, am I still trying to get that 2000 in the eating period or do I have to lessen my calories or is it something that I'm trying to like eat less? Cause this is a, and this is more of a personal, I'll be honest. This is a question like I literally have, should I be trying to like fit 2000 calories into the eating period? Or am I actually, you know, decreasing the amount of calories I have in my day? Right, right, right. Okay. This is a bucket load of questions, but, um, let's just say that you're not doing fasting to lose weight. You're interested in the hormetic response. Um, like, beneficial like longevity related adaptations giving your digestive system a break and let's say you're also a runner so you're not trying to lose weight you're trying to maintain weight and you're also a runner or someone who exercises a lot um yes you would try to keep 2000 calories in your eating window um especially on training days that would be critical um, if you are using my approach to intermittent fasting and training your body for fasting, you would gradually reduce, just naturally, you would be reducing your caloric intake and your protein intake in some capacity as you increase your fasting window. So when you start with 12 hours fasting, you're generally having a three meal day. It's a normal day. So you're, you're still eating your normal amount of calories and you're you're probably aiming for 100 grams of protein. Um, you know, most people can say, except for like a small woman, might be like 60 grams of protein at the least. You know, I always tell people like, that's like you're getting away with it if you can do 60 grams of protein and hit all the marks, okay? So let's just assume that that's the minimum for everyone. Um, and then depending on how much you're exercising or when you're exercising or how much you're fasting, that's gonna change. But what's important to know is that one of the greatest benefits of intermittent fasting is that your body becomes more calorically efficient, more metabolically efficient. And so your body starts to learn how to get more done with less calories, how to accomplish all of the things it needs to accomplish to make a healthy, thriving human with less. Okay, so that's a benefit because, you know, efficiency is obviously in itself a, a beneficial term implication. So we want that and we are programmed for that. You know, we're genetically designed for that. 
And our body will respond favorably as long as it's not abused. And so it turns into abuse, I think, just just by nature and in the hurried nature of modern life. We are just sort of like trying to always find shortcuts. Like maybe I don't need to have meat with this salad. Maybe I don't need to cook today and I can just have this snack. And so easily those become habits and we start to undereat. It's actually very common for people to undereat with fasting. And it's also because they have a dieter's mindset. So assuming that they do want to lose some weight, they are simply like, you know, self-sabotaging against any advice anyone has given them because they, their subconscious mind is like, I want to lose weight and cutting calories is how I'm going to get there. And so I tell people, I am not, I'm literally not looking at your calories and I wish you wouldn't because that is totally sabotaging like any natural outcome that we can achieve with more, you know, intentional nutrition and fasting, um, you know, strategies that we're implementing. So I would encourage your listeners if they do try gradually training their body to be more calorically efficient in these ways, just little by little start reducing how much carbohydrates you're eating. That might just mean, you know, you have your carbs post run or in the last meal preceding your run if you run in the morning. Um, but then that last meal, you know, so post run, you do have carbs. That's when your body is so ready to use those carbs efficiently and store them back in your muscle tissues and protein as well. So you want that meal with carbs and protein post run, post fast. Um, and then maybe the meal after that or a snack after that is no carbs. You know, maybe your, your meal after that one you're like, how do I make a meal without rice or bread or tortillas or whatever? Because the more that you require your body to adapt to those meal choices, the more flexible your metabolism is going to be. And that's the more metabolically healthy you will be. You want your body to be able to shift from depending on carbohydrates to depending on your own body fat for energy. And gradually, over time, that's what you're training it for. You could just train it to do that by forcing your way into a 48 hour fast. You could just train it to do that by forcing yourself into a keto diet. But I've coached enough people who suffered from that out of it. And I'd say that there is an easier way if you're just patient and don't go so fast. Yeah, you're absolutely right about forcing, <laughs> forcing your way. It's definitely easier. <laughs> it's definitely easier when a, when a friend says, Hey man, we're starting a fast tomorrow. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, you're going to be suffering with me. Don't do, I'm t don't do that. Like, don't, don't. Uh, <laughs> I was a good friend and we did it and we got through it. I'm very happy, but, uh, yeah, That's cool. that, see, yeah, it, yeah. now we can say it's cool. Now we can say it's cool. Um, but again, you are the, the author of the book, not so fast, the smarter, more gradual approach to intermittent fasting benefits that last it is available, hardcover and paperback, Amazon, wherever you get books. So I, I see that on the website, it says it empowers you to overcome a dieter's mindset, which you talked about to make your health a hobby that rewards you with life-changing capacity. And I, I want to specifically, I want you to promote the book a little bit, but I want people to understand when we, like that dieter's mindset, like we, it's, I don't think it's as bad as it used to be because when I was growing up, like I remember like every diet was being thrown at everything. My parents way, um, it's like lose 10 pounds fast, lose in, you know, I don't think it's as bad as it used to be. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe just because of 
the knowledge I have now, I kind of block that bad stuff out. But, you know, when we talk about that dieter's mindset, we're not really talking about lifestyle changes. We're kind of talking about quick fixes and a lot of time, not really, not really losing fat, just losing either muscle or water weight. So kind of talk about that dieter's mindset and why you're trying to help people actually get into habits that are life-changing and can last a long time. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're curious about that. Well, first of all, I will say that the word diet um, now has bad connotations, you know, negative connotations or people don't like that term. I actually despise that my book is in a diet category just because of that. But at the same time, I want to just make clear that the definition of the word diet is just the context of the foods that you eat as part of a lifestyle. So the diet is not temporary. Just the marketing and the wellness and dieting industry has made it that. It has made us view diets as temporary. But unless you're talking about a therapeutic diet, your diet is just what makes up the things that you consume in the day. And so, um, you know, your diet can be a way of life and it can incorporate things that are culturally relevant to you, traditions or things that you identify with. Sometimes it just needs like a creative reframe about where those foods have a place in our lives. And for instance, bread. I mean, I suddenly became gluten intolerant at 28, which is part of the reason I became a health coach and so fascinated by all of these things. Um, I'm a foodie. I love food. It's absolutely insane that I'm a fasting coach because I freaking love food. It's always been a hobby of mine. I love eating. Eating is entertainment. Cooking is entertainment. I watch cooking shows, read food magazines, went to culinary school just for fun. Like, I'm not kidding. I love food. And so um, it is quite shocking that I teach this, but it's because never before have I had a relationship with food that felt so... Um, freeing. I always felt really um, like in the, in the grips of my, my appetite, which was never ending. I would eat and eat and eat until I was so full. I had to like unbutton my jeans, lean back in my chair. I would literally say, I'm so full. I can't breathe. I'm so full. I can't breathe. That was just like a normal thing that I'd say. And obviously that that's not a good way to live, but I've been doing it since I was a kid. You know, that was just like, everybody thought it was so funny. Like, look at this cute little girl. She never stops eating. Um, but I didn't know, you know, anything about like what carbohydrates role were in that, um, for me. And when I became gluten intolerant, I had to start thinking like, how am I going to be like this Italian girl that loves food and loves to cook, but not have bread and pasta and all these things I really love. And it helped me see how other people and other, you know, traditions and other cultures can be modified to still have a healthier lifestyle. And now my massive Italian family that loves to cook is also naturally watching how much bread they consume or how much pasta they consume. You know, I always tell people that our flashing sign of these foods not being intended as a staple of our diet is that if we had to make them from scratch ourselves, like we had to grow the grains, harvest the grains, and strip the hull from the outside of the grains, grind the grains into flour, and then mix it into some dough and ferment it because they used to not have preservatives or refrigerators or machines that make flour. I mean, we have to think about what our genes and our DNA have evolved with. And most of our existence on this planet 
humans have not had factories making their food and they had to, you know, source it and, and I guess like preserve it in natural ways. And so we need to think about if we want to have bread and crackers and bagels and donuts and pretzels and goldfish crackers and all these things and ice cream and donuts, you name it. If we wanted to have all of that every day, it would absolutely be impossible. It would be impossible. And so that's a sign that these are foods for a treat, a celebration, an occasion. They're not foods that we should be having at every single meal. It just, it's, it's like saying, you know, you could have an entire pot of honey a day. Like, no, you wouldn't be able to find a, an entire pot of honey to supply you every single day. Like, it's so rare. That would be like you being able to make all of these things for your whole family every day. It just could never happen. So I want people to just sort of take that into consideration and thinking about how to source more things that make your, your meals enjoyable and, you know, like filling up your plate with vegetables of all different types and meat or seafood so that your meal is comprised of other things besides just those carbs. And eventually you will like a lot of that stuff is in my book. So you did ask about it. This is what it looks like. You guys not so fast. And it's, I mean, there's tons of resources in here and it looks like a giant book, but I made it as readable as possible. As someone with ADHD, I wanted there to be plenty of white space between paragraphs. And there's tons of bulleted lists in there. There's QR codes so you can see more pictures of my meals and ideas and food lists and all sorts of resources. And so change is hard, but we're talking about getting rid of that dieter's mindset and stop viewing a diet as temporary or an exercise routine as temporary. Stop seeing it as a means to an end and start treating your health like a hobby because you absolutely deserve that. Everything that you want in life really depends on the health of your body and your brain. And both of those depend on the health of your diet and your relationship with your health, which includes sleep, stress management, exercise, nutrition. And so, you know, there's lots to think about. It's a holistic system because there's just no way around it. It is what it is because it has to be. And and there you heard it first. You heard the first Italian woman tell you to stop eating pasta. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I just said save I it know. as a treat or for celebration. <laughs> um, and you know, to to add to that, I think, you know, I don't think I know you brought up great points, and I think people fail to realize like how receptive and malleable the body is. Like, you know, if if you make these changes, yes. And what I like to tell people is like, I'm not telling you these changes are, are easy, but I really, I personally believe they're not as difficult as people make them because your body starts to adapt really quickly. And we're, I mean, people are like, Oh, Mark, a week to two weeks. That's so long. It's not, it's really not. And it goes by quickly. And you're like, you get to that six o'clock and you're like, Oh, I'm not hungry. I used to have a, a late night snack at eight, nine, ten o'clock. It's like I'm not even hungry anymore because your body has adapted to 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 use that energy when it needs to. And and also if if you run to that sugary cookie right when you get hungry at, at ten o'clock at night, guess what your body's gonna get used to? It's gonna get used to getting that sugary cookie at ten o'clock at night. Now if you go and get, you know, you know, decaffeinated tea or a glass of water. Your body starts getting used to that. So, and your sleep becomes much better, much better. So, um, 
I, and I really like to ask this question. Um, you, what, like, what made you, you're in this space and, and you're doing well for yourself. Like, what made you write the book? Did you just say, hey, I need to get this information out to people? Are you just that person who wants people to know? Is it, was it a dream of yours? Like, why, what was the genesis of actually writing the book? All of the above. I mean, I was really like, I have to, it's like the culmination of my career the past five years, like what I've learned working with people. And I just have to get all of that in one place for my clients, for my followers, for people that in the future might come across my work. But it was also like a dream of mine. You know, it kind of seemed like a fantasy, but when I was used to be podcast host, I was interviewing authors and I met a couple that I could relate to. And I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I could make a book like that? I always wanted to do like a guided journal for healthy living to make your health your hobby. Um, and so I really think it was just that and the messaging in the fasting community is often different from mine. And I wanted people to see, you know, Fasting can be so customizable and so enjoyable that you just want to effortlessly stick with it as a part of your lifestyle. And the way that I teach it may not be the easiest to undertake in, you know, it is in a lot of ways. Like, just so you know, physiologically, this is the easiest way to do it. Like, physically in your body, this is the easiest way. Um, but there are, is a lot of mindset stuff like oh, I don't want to, you know, let go of my bread or I don't, you know, I don't want to have to cook more or I don't want to have to eat more protein or whatever. So there's going to be some mental resistance there. But other than that, I had to get this message out there because so many people come to me after failing with other methods. You know, they will lose a bunch of weight and gain it all back with the delay, don't deny. And then they come to me and I'm like, we have to do things differently this time. You know, you're not going to fast your way out of a bad diet. You're not going to fast your way out of bad sleep. And that's where we're going to start. And it's going to require patience from you, but is absolutely essential if you want a better outcome this time and something that will last. No. I love that. And we, we appreciate that you did that. So how do people learn more about you online? How do they follow you online? And how do they just get to know more about you? Thanks. Well, my website is marisamoon.com. So Marisa is M-A-R-I-S-A and moon like the moon in the sky. So you can go to marisamoon.com slash IF freedom. That's where you can grab the reset method. It's a free guide to intermittent fasting that I've been you know, teaching for years that inspired the book. Um, you can dive way deeper into the reset method in the book, Not So Fast, which is available on Amazon. And before March 12th, that Kindle version of the book is only $4.99 on pre-order. So go ahead and grab it if you get this in time. But other than that, I'm on Instagram at Marisa underscore moon underscore. And uh, I'd love to hear from some people who have tried it and please leave a review on the book that helps me reach more people awesome well we appreciate that like i tell people all the time you can stop the show right now head over to the show notes and get all of those links get a link to the book get a link to the website and just drop a like drop a follow all that good stuff to help marisa out thank you so much for being a part of the show um I, I, this is one of the ones that I'm, I mean, I do go back and listen to all of them, but this is one of the ones I might have to like keep to the side and, and I'll definitely be, you know, getting a copy of your book and, and reading that. Cause I definitely want to um, make my next fast a little more enjoyable. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for being a Excellent. part of the show. You take care of yourself. 
Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6 a.m. Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.